This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here we go. Our all-time best. St. Louis Cardinals teams joined by Brian Finch from the St. Louis Cardinals Museum. I've said it before here on the podcast, but I don't know anybody who knows more about Cardinals history than Brian. He is encyclopedic in his knowledge, so it's going to be interesting to see the tidbits that he can share with us today. Brian, thanks so much for taking part in this. Hey, my pleasure. It's always fun to talk Cardinals history, and uh, this has been a fun exercise to work through personally, and I'm excited to talk through uh, my selections, you know, compared to your selections, and see if we can come up with possibly one of the all-time or the all-time greatest Cardinals lineup and Cardinals roster. So the genesis of this thing, just so everybody listening at home knows, is that we didn't necessarily set out to pick the 26 best players in Cardinals history because you might not have, uh, you know, you probably have every position on the diamond represented, but you you might not have um, quite the list that we came up with. We're looking for if we were going to take a roster into a 162-game season plus the postseason, trying to win the World Series, what are the 26 guys that we would do? So you've got to account for your bull pen you've got to make sure you have every position on the field and have some depth too right left uh, utility infielders backup catchers and such so it's not just naming the 26 best because you might have an overabundance of outfielders or uh, certain positions on the infield if you did that but we're more here thinking about the strategy and so that's what Brian and I are going to roll out for you Uh, this is no perfect science and we don't mean it certainly as a slight to anyone we've got such a rich history but uh, we wanted to see what would it be like if we did our best 26 for a season as the St. Louis Cardinals so we're going to start with our lineups we'll do the lineup and the position that they play on the field then we'll move to the bench and then we'll give you our starting rotations and close it out no pun intended with our bullpens Brian sound good that sounds great to me and of course as you mentioned um some of the toughest choices here are you have to sometimes put your personal preferences aside in terms of maybe your favorite Cardinals player of all time um, for a little bit of the greater good to build that lineup and, and build up the team that you think would get you through the, the regular season, through the playoffs, and, and ultimately to that World Series championship. So it was definitely a, an interesting uh, challenge. And I think what was um, – maybe most fascinating to me and some of the things that we might discuss a little bit along the way are are not just the player who made the cut, but some of the players who didn't make the cut. And it really shows the uh, wonderful wealth of great players that have played with the birds on the bat across their chest over the decades and throughout the generations. 
The only criteria that Brian and I were using were a 26-man roster, 14 hitters, and 12 pitchers. No designated hitter. We're assuming National League rules here. You assume that the player's year-end numbers in this mythical season we're creating would reflect his Cardinals career averages. So, Bo Hart, not going to make it on my team as great as he was and uh, as great a season or part of a season that he had in 2003. Um, we we also want the best three years of the – we have a three-year qualifier, rather. So they have to have played for the Cardinals for three years, and then we're taking their career best numbers. I guess I should position it that way. So that's why the uh, quintessential flash-in-the-pan type guy is not going to be on these rosters. So here we go. I'm going to give you my starting nine. Uh, first, I'm just going to give you the, the nine players in the batting order, and then – I'll clarify where I would have them on the field. So leading off a switch hitter, I would have Ozzie Smith at the top of my uh, my order. We'll get into why here in just a moment. Number two, batting second, I would uh, have Rogers Hornsby. Albert Pujols hits third for me, followed by Stan the Man Musial in the fourth spot. Now here's one that I think some Cardinal fans might overlook hitting fifth for me, Brian, is Joe Ducky Medwick. Uh, he had some of the most amazing years in Cardinals history, the last triple crown winner in the National League in 1937. That is still unmatched. Jim Edmonds follows up behind him, a left-hander hitting sixth. I really could have flip-flopped Edmonds with the number seven guy, which for me was Scott Rowland. And then uh, Molina hits eighth. Yadier Molina, I give him the nod as the all-time uh, great catcher in Cardinals history. And Bob Gibson throws in this uh, game here as the ace of my staff. And we'll get to that rotation in a little bit. So here's what it looks like on the infield. Roland Smith, Hornsby, Pujols left to right in the outfield. Medwick in left, Edmonds in center, Musial in right, Yadi Molina behind the plate, and Bob Gibson on the bump. So... Brian, be gentle, uh, but would you poke any holes in that in that mythical lineup? Well, it's interesting, and, and just so our listeners understand, we have not compared lineups before we started this discussion here. But for my lineup, I actually have the exact same players, but in a different order. Uh, of course, leading off with Ozzy, uh, switch hitting at the top of the lineup, but I have a little bit of a different order here. Uh, while Stan is always looked at as one of the greatest hitters in Cardinals history, I would put Musial in the number two hole as a lefty. And, of course, um, well, in most lineups in baseball history, we would look at Stan as a number three hitter or sometimes as a number four hitter. When you've got possibly the greatest right-handed hitter of all time in Hornsby, um, I thought, you know what, maybe there's an opportunity to stand as a lefty to hit in the number two spot because Stan had a large number of triples throughout his career, and particularly as a younger and throughout the middle part of his career, he was known for his speed. So uh, having the speed at the top of the lineup and his high on base percentage, uh, he would be great as the number two hitter and put Hornsby as the number three hitter right behind him with Pujols in the number four spot, of course, playing first base. I should mention, too, that Musial will be my right fielder, of course, with Albert um, playing first base, Hornsby in that three spot uh, as our second baseman. Uh, Joe Medwick is also my left fielder. When we look at that three-year window, um, I'm sure there are a lot of fans thinking, where is Lou Brock? Well, we'll find Lou on my bench in a little bit later, but – my gosh, it is hard to top what uh, Joe Medwick did, particularly from 1935 through 1937. 
Those years together, uh, Medwick had an OPS of 994 and a 598 slugging percentage in addition to a 359 batting average for those three years combined. Um, it was just remarkable. And, of course, in 1937, he was the last National League player uh, till, still to this day to have won the National League Triple Crown. So his numbers were just ridiculous. They were just gaudy. So um, Medwick in the five hole. I've also got Edmonds in the six hole at center field. Uh, Scott Rowland at third base. Really, for me, it came down between Roland and Ken Boyer. It was a close call, but Roland's numbers between 2004, 2005, and 2006 uh, just give him the nod. And then at number eight, uh, Yadier Molina. Yadier will go down as the greatest catcher in franchise history, uh, but it's a pretty close call there. Uh, between he and Ted Simmons, and offensively, Simmons uh, definitely would have the nod over Yachty, but what Yachty brings to the table with his defensive abilities um, are, are really, he, he doesn't have any competition in that regard. So, um, and of course, I think hands down, Bob Gibson is going to be your starting pitcher uh, for any all-time great Cardinals team, even though we've had some other great Cardinals pitchers, and I'm sure we'll discuss those, uh, a number of those names in just a few minutes here. Yeah, the tough calls for me were, you know, at first I thought about even putting Hornsby in the leadoff spot just because of that high kind of gaudy average, knowing that I have uh, Pujols and Musial to put in the 3-4 spots. But I put Ozzy there because he could switch it and because I like the speed. And then with Hornsby coming up, he's likely on. So then you've got two on with Pujols in the 3 spot and Musial and then Medwick in, in the 5 hole. So somebody's going to see pitches uh, at, at some point. And I thought that uh, for me that's, that's why I stacked it the way I did. But I like your thought about maybe hitting uh, hitting some folks a little higher up in the order there than they would have thought of uh, originally. I think that, that that's an interesting thought, kind of gaming it here. Yeah, and, and here's what's really remarkable about the lineup. Uh, the players that we've both selected, there's really no easy out in the lineup. Um, no. Ozzie, in some of his best years, particularly think about 1987, uh, he was a high average player, uh, hitter, and then of course a high, uh, you know, he, he took a lot of walks and, and really just did turn himself into uh, a pretty nice offensive player. And the same thing for Yadier Molina as our number eight hitter. Uh, Yadier is a tough out. He's known as a high contact rate hitter. And so there's just no easy out here. Um, and even as Edmonds, we've both got him now, as I've taken notes here, as our number six hitter. Um, I was trying to find sort of the right spot for Jim Edmonds. You think about Edmonds back in his great year in 2004. I remember him, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, being that uh, that number four, that cleanup hitter in a number of those lineups that Tony La Russa had put together. And uh, it seems almost disrespectful to have Edmonds as the number six hitter. But really, I was just looking for the spot to uh, kind of space out where would we fit that left-handed bat because I've got a string of right-handed hitters put together. And um, I thought, my gosh, you know, does he fit in the five hole a little bit better? But then, you know, Medwick with his this high average, high on base percentage, and the and you know the the power that he had. Of course, Edmonds had power, but boy, he, he, it's just you know you're overwhelmed with the power and and the production you have between these hitters. Um, and of course, Roland was a tough out as well. So. I would not want to be a pitcher, you know, that has to face this lineup in any way, shape, or, or form. 
Well, even Bob Gibson in the nine spot today, this this is, a, you know, an invention long after Bob played, but today we would call Bob a pitcher who rakes. Uh, I mean, this, this guy could hit pretty good. He was a great athlete. You talk about game seven of the 67 series. He outduels Jim Lomborg and hits a home run in a Cardinals victory to wrap up a world championship in Boston. So, I mean, even Gibson, I would, I would think, and we're not assuming by the way, just in case anyone's listening, we decided not to settle on an era this game would be played in. Cause I think that would have completely changed the lineup too. But I would say even in today's game, cause that's where our minds would go is that the game probably would be played today. I think Bob Gibson is probably one of the best hitting pitchers in the league, if not the best. Oh, I'd have to agree. And, uh, you know, Gibson in a few years, or even one season, he had a batting average of over 300, um, which is just uh, it's just remarkable. You just don't have the words for that. Granted, most of his seasons where he was in the, you know, the 200s and had some, you know, years where he was below that. But um, for a pitcher to have a batting average above 300, and um, and that was in 1970, one of his Cy Young seasons. So it's not one of these years where it was shortened by injury and he just barely got over 300 because it was um, you know an anomaly. I mean, he took pride in his hitting, and um, so to have him, you know, when we're talking about offense here, and, and I'll be honest, uh, referring a little bit back to that dream bracket, you know, in, in all of these uh, scenarios that people are doing right now with the situation we find ourselves in. When we look at a fantasy uh, baseball scenario, thinking about that catcher position, Ted Simmons would be the easy choice if you're just looking at fantasy baseball. But for our exercise here, we're looking for a team that is built for the long haul, a team that's built to win a pennant. And uh, that's where you have to look at this lineup. Um, And there are a few other positions. Uh, Ozzie Smith will save you runs on defense, and he can do enough uh, offensively. And there's a reason why he's considered the best defensive shortstop in the history of the game. Those same kind of comments can be made about Yadier Molina. He's going to do enough offensively with his bat, uh, but he can do more defensively with his glove and with his uh, uh, his work handling pitchers and, and calling games and framing pitches. And so, um, boy, I would take this lineup against anybody uh, at any time and take my chances. Yeah, I would too. Well, let's move on to the bench because we you spoke about it. I mean, Lou Brock is left off of both of our lineup, which when I got to the end of making mine out, I thought, is there a way I could get Lou in? Because what a, what a prince of a man and one of the greatest players in baseball history. He just happens to be the victim of playing for one of the most storied franchises in the game's history too. And there's so much talent to go around when we try to fill this thing out. It was uh, more of a matchup thing for me, uh, putting Lou on my bench. And I will start there. Lou Brock, the left-handed hitter on my bench, along with Enos Country Slaughter, another lefty bat uh, who played the outfield for most of his career. That's two guys that are retired numbers and National Baseball Hall of Famers uh, coming off of the bench. That just tells you how deep this team is. Kurt Flood, I almost put him in center field over Jim Edmonds. Their offensive numbers are within about 10 points of each other uh, all time. Their Cardinals career averages, as I looked them up, both of them are great defenders. I think that for me, it's probably a little bit of recency bias just because Jim Edmonds was at the zenith of his career at the time when I was growing up. So I remember watching him. I really tried to block that out, but I still think that uh, Edmonds probably from what I know, just to, a hair better than Kurt Flood um, as a defender, and so that gave Jimmy Ballgame the nod for me and put Kurt on the bench as a very sure-handed defensive substitution. 
Keith Hernandez is a lefty bat, um, spelling Albert Pujols at first base. If Musial doesn't get the start when Albert uh, maybe sits down to take a day, Keith Hernandez in my bench is a left-handed bat. Utility infielder, Red Sheeney, again, a baseball Hall of Famer uh, that I couldn't find space on this uh, on this lineup, but Red would certainly see his fair amount of starts over 162 games, an all-time great Cardinal, an all-time great player, and an all-time great man. He is a switch hitter on my bench. And then my backup catcher is Ted Simmons, who, of course, is, I guess, Brian, part of the 2020 National Baseball Hall of Fame class, even though he won't go in until 2021. But I agree. You spoke about it a moment ago. Um, Simba, Molina, there are there are franchises that would love to have either one of those guys in their history, and the Cardinals are spoiled enough to have both of them and some other really great catchers, too, who we, we haven't talked about yet today. But that is my bench. Simmons, Shane Dean, Keith Hernandez, Kurt Flood, Enos Country Slaughter, and the baseball goal, Lou Brock. <laughs> what an outstanding bench. It's hard to argue with that, but I'll tell you what, this is where things change a little bit for us uh, between <laughs> how we would make up our bench. Yeah, so uh, this, is, this is going to be fun. So um, so I'll tell you what, uh, let's start with uh, the similarities, and then we'll uh, discuss the differences a little bit. Our catcher, uh, Ted Simmons, no debating this. And the Cardinals have had some great catchers in our franchise's history. Um, if you go all the way back, you know, to the, the early years of our franchise, Roger Bresnahan was a fantastic catcher for us. Uh, Bob O'Farrell in the 1920s, he was the National League. Uh, most, most valuable player in the 1926 season. Of course, that's our franchise's first world championship year. Uh, you think about Walker Cooper in the 1940s. Um, we've really had some great uh, catchers. Tim McCarver in the 1960s. And uh, But for me, no question, Ted Simmons. And I even debated Ted Simmons as the starter for me, but I've got to go with Yachty. So Ted Simmons is uh, my second catcher on the team. I hate to even call him a backup catcher. So uh, if, uh, if I'll use the Tony La Russa, tied for first. So we've got Yachty as a starting catcher, and, and uh, 1A and 1B will be, uh, you know, Ted Simmons as the other catcher. Uh, you mentioned Lou Brock. I've also got Lou Brock on my club as uh, one of my uh, outfielders, you know, on the bench. And then, uh, you know, and there's so much we could say about Lou, but I love having that speed off the bench so uh, he can come in. Uh, while he definitely played the corner outfield uh, role, primarily left field, uh, I think he really could, uh, early in his career, he played all three outfield positions, but he was primarily a left fielder. But uh, having that speed on the base paths, of course, is where he um, just not just excelled but prevailed. You know, he was the ultimate um, base fielder and uh, really an on-base percentage guys could get on base and, and really just do damage. And then, of course, uh, the ultimate gentleman, Red Shane Deans, and he wasn't just an ultimate gentleman. He was the ultimate utility player. Uh, for fans that don't know, Red came into the league, into the major leagues in 1945 as the literal roster replacement for Stan Musial. He wore number six and he played left field in 1945. We always think about him wearing number two and playing second base, but his first year in the big leagues, he wore number six and he played left field. He would primarily play second base um, in 1946 and beyond, but he also played third base, 
and shortstop, and he'd play other positions in the outfield as well. So uh, you can't ask for a better utility player in Cardinals history, maybe Jose Oquindo, if you want to have a little fun with that. But I'm going to take a Hall of Famer. So uh, those are the three where we match, Ted Simmons, Lou Brock, and Red Shane Deeps, and, of course, three National Baseball Hall of Famers. This is where my uh, path comes a, becomes a little uh, divergent, and I take a different route. Um, so uh, beyond those, I looked for another outfielder, and I went with Willie McGee. Now, I know I'll uh, speak to a lot of fans who uh, Willie, of course, is one of our biggest fan favorites in Cardinals history, but uh, it's hard to go wrong with an MVP and a batting champion and, of course, uh, he did play all three outfield positions consistently, uh, primarily with a center fielder for the Cardinals. Uh, he's in that discussion with uh, Jim Edmonds, uh, you know, with Kurt Flood, as you mentioned. And uh, McGee had some fantastic years, both defensively and offensively. So I chose him as my other primary outfielder to come in off the bench. And he was great uh, on the base pass as well. Could get you a stolen base when you need it. Uh, and, of course, as a switch hitter. So if you're looking for that uh, late innings matchup coming off the, the bench, you know, for um, facing, a, you know, a, a relief pitcher uh, from one side of the player to the other, I thought he would be a great, um, a great bat to have. In addition to uh, Willie, um, another player that I looked at that could provide me some uh, pop from the infield and also some versatility was Joe Torrey. Mm. Joe Torrey, Cardinals' um, uh, National League Most Valuable Player in 1971, was um, had really come to us, uh, had played catcher but also first base and third base. So he provides me some versatility around the infield, um, and uh, I really like what he brings to the table and the pop he brings off the bench. Now, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here. I know we said that there's no DH, and I couldn't decide on who I wanted my last bench opportunity here. So, um, so uh, here's the caveat I'm going to play. If, if uh, baseball comes back and for some reason we have some wonky rules because of weird divisional guidelines and we find that we have to have a DH, and just for the record, I'm not a fan of the DH. So, but if we find we need a DH, then I'm going with Mark McGuire. There's no better big bat off the bench uh, when we look back at the stats and the years that he had with the Cardinals. Uh, if you need a big blast, well, you're going to get it off uh, Big Mac's bat. And if we find that we're not going to have a DH, well, one name that is uh, not discussed very often in Cardinals history is a great player, um, but would be Edgar Renteria. Somebody's got to spell Ozzie Smith. And while we know, uh, you know, Shane Deans could do it in a pinch, uh, he didn't play a large number of innings at shortstop. Um, but Edgar Renteria just doesn't get the respect he deserves. He was a silver slugging, uh, gold glove shortstop. And he did it, um, you know, kind of in his own quiet way. And so if there's anybody that we wanted to get, you know, or needed to get a big hit from, as well as doing it while playing great defense, Edgar Renteria would be my man to fill out the bench. It's funny that you bring up Edgar because I thought about it uh, because I do agree he is vastly underrated. He was a, a defensive uh, gem and also a pretty good hitter and, and really got overshadowed even, I think, on some of the teams he played for because there were some future Hall of Famers or Hall of Fame-type guys, Hall of Fame-type years that got assembled around him. But he was a key cog in some of those um, you know early to mid-2000s teams. I also like your, your thought on McGuire. I thought about him, too. Um, 
I shied away from it just because I like to, I was, you know, trying to think with no DH, but I think even if, even in a world where you didn't have a DH, I could see McGuire being an asset because uh, the guy just understands hitting. Everybody thinks home runs, but when you talk to people around the game and you talk to people who know Mark McGuire and who know baseball, they'll tell you that he just understands how to work an at-bat, uh, and that would be as attractive to me as the power. And also Willie McGee, I literally can look right here now and see where I had McGee written out and then erased it uh, in pencil and and put in another name there. But I thought uh, it was tough to leave Willie off too because he's a fan favorite. He's a good clubhouse guy and uh, just a great human being. So you like that in your in your room. Plus he could really play. Um, but but I think that you've got some good choices there and we're starting to split hairs here. It's really tough when you think about it, almost 130 years uh, of, you know, Cardinals history in the National League, and, and it becomes very tough to put these names down. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've got to be honest with you, too, some of the names that I just couldn't quite um, figure out. Uh, Frankie Fresh, another National yeah. League most viable player at second base. Uh, Marty Marion and Terry Moore, two players from those great 40s teams. Of course, Marion at shortstop, Terry Moore at center field. Tommy Herr, fantastic, yeah. um, this hard-hitting second baseman uh, for, for you know, those three 80s championship teams, you know, one world championship and two National League championships. You mentioned already Keith Hernandez, quite possibly the greatest defensive first baseman in baseball history. And and, um, and a heck of a hitter as well. And, of course, he was an NL MVP in 1979. And you mentioned Slaughter and Flood. I just have to mention this about Enos Slaughter. Um, we try to give him the credit that is due here in St. Louis. But, um, you know, Musial gets, you know, his due as the all-time greatest Cardinal. But before Stan Musial, it was Enos Slaughter. No player had played more games in Cardinals history um, than Enos Slaughter until Stan Musial finishes his career as Stan the Man, the man that we know, you know, is the greatest of all time in our franchise's history. So, um, you know, to not have Slaughter on my roster kind of kind of stunned a little bit because uh, I recognized him for the great the great player that he was, and of course had the Mad Dash in '46 that helped win our World Series championship that season. But those are some of the names for me that I was really trying to figure out how to how to squeeze them in. But, hey, a roster has limitations and uh, makes me appreciate that I am not the general manager of the baseball club. <laughs> you know, an outside-the-box name that I thought of and kind of tried to figure out a way to, to maybe shoehorn him into this bench was David Freeze, who, when you look at the, the numbers against some of these other guys, I mean, no disrespect to David. Like, I think he probably would say this, but not close, obviously, and we're talking about some Hall of Famers, but David had this uncanny ability to come up with big hits, and I'm not just talking about the World Series he's famous for. He was just a really quality pinch hitter when he wasn't starting coming off, and I was trying to really make sure I, I had guys who could take a good, not just at bat, but a pinch hit at bat, because to me, those are different in, in psyche, the way that you prepare for them, um, and I'm comfortable with my six. I think that they're they're a good set, but that was kind of my dark horse where I thought, and again, that might be a little recency bias for me, the era that I grew up in, but uh, I, I kind of thought about, is there a way I could work him onto this uh, onto this roster? Did you have anybody like that that was kind of a, you thought about and you thought, eh, I really can't put him on there, but I wish I could? Well, interestingly, I mentioned Jose Okendo earlier, and uh, you talk about the bias you have from the area you grew up in. Um, 
you know, personally for me, Ozzy Smith was always my favorite uh, as a fan, but Okendo was right there with him. And part of that was just their double play combination um, when Okendo played so many years at second base uh, after her. And, and, and I'm sorry, and Ozzy was at shortstop with him. And so um, I was trying to find a way to get Okendo on the roster. But uh, in terms of that utility player, Red Shandings will always and forever be one of my all-time favorite people. And that's no disrespect to um, Mr. Okendo. Uh, he, he is also one of my favorite folks as well. But in terms of what I've been privileged to do with the Cardinals, uh, I was able to develop a, a unique and special relationship with, um, with Red. And um, when it came down to the battle of utility players uh, for my roster, um, it was going to be Red Shandings. So I think it was it's pretty fun to think about that and, and how Jose could shape a roster. Um, but at the end of the day, it's hard to go against the National Baseball Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Well, let's move on to what I think will, will be uh, even more hotly contested here, the pitching. This is where I think it really starts to get where you could go a lot of different directions. Uh, no right or wrong answers, but there is a lot of, of pitchers that I found that I really uh, – really thought could have a place on my roster. So here's what I've got in the rotation. Let's start with this, the starting five. And I think this is the way that I actually would start them and stack them on the days, too. Uh, some of these guys might get after me if they if they knew I put them this way. But I would have Bob Gibson take the ball as the ace. Uh, Chris Carpenter, for me, um, again, some people might say, oh, recency bias, but I mean, there's there's something about a bulldog like that, and the numbers were pretty sensational too. I I know a lot of people that would say they'd take Chris Carpenter over just about anybody, and that's the kind of guy that I want in my rotation. Uh, Jerome Hannah Dean, that would be dizzy for those of you who are not familiar. He is uh, he is my number three guy. Adam Wainwright takes the ball. He's my fourth starter. Uh, really a great pitcher in Cardinals history, and of course we're still privileged to have him as a member of this team but he's uh he's had longevity here and i think that that helps his case in a lot of ways but the numbers are are certainly right there too solid and i think that at the end of it all adam will be finally remembered as one of the best cardinal starters of all time and then the fifth spot i went back and forth on this but i think i take john tudor and and slot him in as the guy to uh to take the ball at fifth for me in that rotation so gibson carpenter dean wainwright and tudor Oh, some great selections there. And, uh, again, we'll have a few similar names, but uh, a couple of different ones as well. For me, uh, you can't argue with Bob Gibson. He is the greatest Cardinals pitcher we've ever had, so he is number one. In terms of the pitching rotation order here, I had a little bit of a variation, and I uh, chose Dizzy Dean as my number two starter. Uh, those years he had, particularly in the mid-30s, uh, there is no one better than Dizzy Dean. And uh, I think this is evident in his 1934 season when he won uh, 30 games then. And if we could have that kind of performance out of Dizzy Dean, I'll take that kind of performance. My number three starter would be Chris Carpenter. We've gotten to see some of the best uh, that Chris Carpenter ever uh, showed here in the last several years here before his retirement. And uh, down the stretch in 2011 was just uh, incredible. It was epic. And uh, to watch him uh, throw and pitch at his greatest was something I will always remember, and I think most Cardinals fans that got to experience that will always remember. 
And here's one that we will differ a little bit on. Uh, Mort Cooper, the ace mm. of the early 40s Cardinals staff, and, um, of course, a recent Cardinals Hall of Fame inductee a year ago. He, uh, to that time, was the only Cardinals pitcher to have won 20 games in three consecutive seasons. Hmm. And so um, I'll take a performance like that any day or any year. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Morton Cooper was fantastic, a big uh, key to the 42 and the 44 World Championship runs. And then my fifth starter, I tried to switch it up a little bit. Uh, you mentioned John Tudor, and I really struggled with uh, Tudor because his performance in 1985 was one of the all-time great seasons. And for those listening, if you're not familiar with that, go check it out. Look at the stats. But I went with Harry Burkeen. Uh Harry Burkeen, also a recent Cardinals Hall of Famer, but uh, Harry is a lefty. And I was looking for a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Burkeen is the second winningest left-handed pitcher in Cardinals history. And uh, he also was a key to some of those 1940s championships, particularly in the mid to late 40s, that 1946 championship comes to mind. Uh, he won 15 games in 46. He would win 20 games in 1948. He doesn't quite have some of the bigger numbers. Uh, he did lead the league in ERA uh, in 1948 as well with 2.24 and strikeouts with 149. So he may not have some of the the, the bigger counting stats that some of our other pitchers in franchise history do, but he was one of the most dominant pitchers uh, and really one of the, the – he's probably the most dominant left-handed pitcher that we've ever had, um, and especially in terms of uh, how he was able to do that with a, a team that was uh, right on the cusp or, or, or very involved in uh, playoff performances as well. He was also a part of that 1944 World Championship team too. So that gives me a lefty in my rotation – uh, if that's at all meaningful, and that rounds out my uh, starting five. Yeah, I thought about that, and I've got uh, I've, I've I've got a couple names back in your rotation that I pushed to the bullpen, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, you know, I think that that's one of the probably the weaknesses I have. If there is one on my club, is that I don't have a lefty. But I also think that the five guys that I've got, I like them because I think that they're right-handed and they would get left-handers out. Um, but it's hard to argue with Burkeen and Cooper for sure. I thought about both of them. Another name that I really struggled with was Jeff Haynes, who is you got to get in the way back machine to, to talk about him. And I wanted to, to maybe consider a guy who most people have not heard of, but Kid Nichols, who pitched at the latter part of the 19th century, uh, did not have enough years to qualify, but had some really sensational, at least one really sensational year for the Cardinals right around the time they first became the Cardinals or joined the National League at least. So tough choices, but I like your five. I like my five. I think either way, uh, you're going to win a lot of ball games with those rotations. Totally agree. I totally agree. So let's talk about the bullpen here. Um, and again, this is this is a, a tough thing. And just to be clear to everybody, so you kind of know where Brian and I are at, uh, we did not feel like you had to take a guy that pitched in the bullpen his whole career to make him part of the bullpen. We wanted the the best arms that could fill the role. So some of my guys pitched in the bullpen the majority of their, of their career. Some of them had maybe appearances, but really were more starters. But, hey, this is all uh, for a, a, a mythical season that will not take place anyway. So we figured it was it was all fair. 
Let's start with this. I have Harry Bertine as one of my left-handers in the bullpen. Brian had him in the rotation. I've got him as a left-handed option out of the pen, along with Al Roboski, another southpaw that uh, can come out of the bullpen. I was really taken aback as I looked at Al's numbers. I mean, we see him around the ballpark. He's a great ambassador for the Cardinals, and he was a, uh, such a great player. I think that people know that, but when I, you have really looked at his numbers the other day, I was kind of taken aback at just how good Al, Al was during his career. Joaquin Andahar makes my bullpen, along with uh, old Pete, Grover Cleveland Alexander, was with the Cardinals toward the end of a storied career, pitched other places a lot more and a lot longer than he pitched in St. Louis, but he's famous for coming out of the bullpen and striking out Tony Lazzari in the 1926 World Series to really put out a fire that eventually helped the Cardinals to capture their first World Series championship. Mort Cooper is in my bullpen. Brian had him in the rotation, but I put uh, put Mort in the bullpen. Bruce Suter is my setup man, and that means that Jason Isringhausen, the all-time leader in saves in Cardinals history, gets the ball for me in the ninth inning. I had a hard time with that. It's hard to not put Engine 42, a National Baseball Hall of Famer, uh, at the back end of your bullpen. I think that if there was a day Izzy was unavailable, I wouldn't have a problem giving the ball to Bruce. And I think maybe you could even make an argument I should flip-flop those two. But, again, deep, deep, deep bench uh, to choose from here as uh, we talk about the 26th best as far as the team goes in Cardinals history. Hey, great selections. Great selections. Uh, you're going to hear some similar names, but once again, I have a few other names to throw into the mix here. And I have to be very clear about something. Um, I mentioned earlier that I was happy to not be a general manager. And uh, as we discussed the pitching staff, I'm also um, happy to not be a manager, particularly with this pitching staff, because I do not want to have to face Chris Carpenter or Dizzy Dean, or Mort Cooper, uh, to tell them that they are not the number one starter. Just like I don't want to have to face a few of these pitchers to tell them that they are not in my starting rotation. So I'm glad that this is purely hypothetical. And, in fact, I uh, possibly don't even want this to get out to some of our current uh, pitchers to let them know that they are in my bullpen. But uh, I digress. So let's dive right in here. Um, my bullpen. So I'm going to start out on the right side, the right-handed side. I've got Jess Haynes, Jesse Haynes. Um, Haynes, a little bit of a backstory on him. He actually uh, made his major league debut in 1918 with the Cincinnati Reds. He pitched in one game for them. He was the last player that um, the Cardinals purchased at auction, so to speak, really just purchased prior to their um, – you know, the beginning or the start of their minor league farm system where they were developing players to grow into major league talent. And so he holds this sort of neat uh, place in Cardinals history. And, oh, by the way, he would become the winningest pitcher in Cardinals history and hold that place on the Cardinals' mantle until Bob Gibson overtook the role. So, um before Gibson, it was Haynes, and, and Haynes is still up there, um, very high on the list, I think, number two. So um, Haynes came to the Cardinals in 1920. Uh, it, he didn't have a great first season, but 1921, he went 18-12 and, and uh, ping-ponged a little bit there. But in 1923, he'd win 20 games and uh, really developed by the late 20s and had several 20-game seasons. But he was um, known as Pop because he left 
last in so long. He pitched for 19 years. And by 1932, uh, he was really pitching out of the bullpen. So from 1932 through 1937, which includes that fantastic 1934 gas house game year, the world championship season, uh, he was out of the bullpen. So that, I felt, gave me some comfort of putting him in the bullpen for me. And... Um, that's where I've got him pitching. So he's my uh, first guy on the right-handed side for the bullpen, maybe one of my long-relief guys. I've also got Adam Wainwright pitching out of the bullpen. I believe you had him in your starting rotation. But, um, my uh, again, my justification was, well, Adam came up and pitched for, um, I guess, uh, I don't know, just over a year or a year and a half, parts of the first two seasons, uh, out of the bullpen. And we all famously remember him striking out Carlos Beltran and the uh, – in LCS in 2006 as a as a closer. So uh, I thought, you know what, I, I'd love to get Adam on this team. Uh, he can do a lot of damage for us, and uh, he's going to have to do that out of the bullpen for me. And maybe he can be a spot starter um, if we have some problems in the uh, rotation. On the left-handed side, here's the name that uh, some Cardinals fans might question a little bit uh, or might not even know, but a pitcher named Max Lanier. Mm. Max was a pitcher in the 1940s, and he was a left-handed pitcher. So this helps me uh, shore up some of my left-handed uh, pitching or the lefty side and uh, takes care of that. But for the Cardinals, he won 101 games. Think about that. Matt Morris won 101 games, and the number of pitchers that won uh, at least 100 games in franchise history for us are not that many. So uh, this was a great pitcher for us. He was a part of that uh, uh, string of championships from 42, 43, and 44, uh, and really was a great pitcher for us. And he did pitch out of the bullpen a few different times uh, throughout the mid-40s. So, again, gives me a little bit of justification to put him in the left-handed side of the bullpen. And I felt pretty good about that. Um, my second lefty out of the bullpen, you mentioned him already, a uh, great man. He's been a great player and ambassador for the Cardinals, Al Herboski. Uh You can't say too much about Al. And I uh, love how he would psych up behind the mound and uh, kind of uh, wear down opponents, not only with the stuff he had on the mound, but uh, and the damage he would do to their uh, their psyches as he would <laughs> as he'd get ready to pitch there. Uh, back to the right-handed side, I've got Bruce Suter. Uh, I have to admit, uh, uh, he's not even my setup man. I've probably got him as my seventh inning. My, he's my seventh inning man right now. That's how I see it. But I do have Engine 42 in there. Uh, once again, I don't want to be the person to have to explain this to him, so I don't plan on telling him that. Um, <laughs> I do have Lee Smith. I've got Lee Smith as my setup man, and uh, Lee would get the ball to our closer, Jason Isinghausen, uh, a man with more saves than any other in Cardinals history. Um, but I figure with a 7-8-9, uh, Suter to Smith to Izzy, boy, those games get a lot shorter uh, when you've got a bullpen like that. So, again, my bullpen is Haynes, Wainwright, Lanier, Hrabowski, and then Suter, Smith, and Isringhausen. That's a good list. I thought about Max Lanier. I think that's a really good one. I also thought about Lee Smith. Of course, he just went into the, the Baseball Hall of Fame this past July. 
Uh, I think nationally people know him a lot more for his time with that uh, team up north um, mm -hmm. in the Chicago Cubs, but he did have really good years with the Cardinals. And I thought about it too, because I agree that that's a seven, eight, nine. Uh, you better get to him before the, the seventh inning because you're probably not getting to him after. And let's be honest, Brian, with the pitchers that we've rolled out here on both these lineups, you're not getting to him in the first six innings either. Probably uh, there, there would, there would not be a lot of runs to be had for opponents. That's absolutely correct, and uh, my goodness, just uh, you know, and even thinking about this uh, with these lineups, Trubisky closed games, uh, of course, Suter, Smith, uh, and Izzy did that, and Adam Wainwright, <laughs> um, and I know that Jess Haynes did as well, even though the the even the title of closer didn't even exist when he pitched, um, you know, but. Uh, uh, my gosh, you know the the experience that these uh, these teams have and this pitching staff has uh, is just off the charts. It indeed is, Brian. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate the uh, the thoughtfulness that you brought to this exercise. I hope that you at home have enjoyed it too. I would love to hear some of your uh, all time teams, your twenty six best. Again, the criteria were. 14 position players and 12 pitchers. If you've got one and hey, you're this has got your uh, your kind of mind going, we would love to see it. Send us your 26, the contact us tab at cardinals.com slash insider. Brian, uh, I hope we're lacing them up soon, no matter what here in 2020. Uh, who knows? Hopefully we get to see some baseball at some point, but I do know if we ever could field either one of our teams, I'd feel pretty good about making it 12 World Series here in St. Louis. <laughs> Well, that's for sure. That's for sure. And even I'll say this, uh, we were looking at players that had extended, extended success here in St. Louis. But then you think of how many players that had, you know, one great year or two great years. I mean, you think about Trevor Rosenthal as a closer, um, you know, or even Ryan Franklin as a closer with an all-star season and, and just how many great, you know, pitchers that we had out of the bullpen that were just um, dominant, you know, for a stretch. Um, think about the closers that were on the mound for World Series championships, like Jason Mott, so to speak. Um, and then you go back, you mentioned David Freeze and those players that just got hot at the right time. And, and um, I don't want to be disrespectful at all, but even, you know, the kind of the joke or ingest about Bo Hart at the beginning. Bo Hart, but Bo Hart had the hottest, you know, run that maybe a player ever had to start his career. And of course, we've had both the museum, and and uh, he even quipped to me. He said, "My gosh, in my entire professional baseball career, I'm not talking just the majors. We're talking minor leagues, all levels." He said, "I was never that hot before or after, like I was when I got called up to the big leagues." And I don't know how I got that hot. But if there was ever a time to get that hot, that was it. And so how wonderful it is as Cardinals fans to look back and think back on all these great players and these great memories. And so uh, I hope some fans submit their great lineups. And maybe that's another exercise one day is like, you know, the best hot streaks of all time, you know, in a lineup or something like that. But what a fun exercise. We hope all of our fans are doing well out there and staying safe. And we hope to get everybody back to the ballpark and back to the museum soon so that we can be not just talking about Cardinals history, but seeing it on the field um, and uh, enjoying these moments and memories together again soon. 
Again, send us your lineup. It's the Contact Us tab at cardinals.com slash insider. You can find all about the Cardinals Hall of Fame Museum at cardinals.com slash museum. And you can watch our great history content. We've got a playlist on YouTube called Classic Cards. It's all things Cardinals alumni and history. YouTube.com slash cardinals. And look for those classic cards thumbnails. Brian, it's always fun. We'll do something like this again sometime. Hope that you and yours are well. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds great. Thanks, Brett. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.